it is consigned to. And that's why the conditionality there is that you would have to receive Jesus. You would have to repent of your sins and accept him and trust him. Put your faith in him. Give him your life. Let him come into your heart that he may send you the Holy Spirit. And that from that point on, begin living for him. Waiting for him. And that's why the first thing he mentions in verse 13, which you're going to come to later, he says, brothers and sisters. And then he highlights something very big. If you give me an eyeball here, it's very powerful. He highlights a danger. He comes out almost rebuking right away. He said, on this matter, so important as the rapture of the church, it is not right that you can have the body of Christ with a significant section known as the ignorant brethren. Are we together? That on a matter so serious, so grave like this, which involves the physical, the day of power. Does somebody hear me? The day when finally there will be the physical taking of human beings whose names we know and mailing address we know. They will be taken and they will fly physically over the air in the clouds there to meet the Lord. Physicamente in Spanish, physically. If you did not, I said, if you did not have faith, you'd be like, I, I, I want to believe many things, but please, that one, how do I believe that? Because mankind is restricted to the physical life, physical world, empirical evidence. And if you do not have enough faith, you probably said, ah, but that I cannot believe because that's, that's unthinkable. That people will leave their shoes and their clothes here and they will be glorified and they will physically fly over the clouds and they are rushing and they will stand in the air when the gravity is not dropping them and they will talk with the Lord and meet the Lord in the air. You would say, but that is virtually unbelievable in this age of unbelief. But I want to submit to you the following. That yes indeed, the Bible and this industry of faith, Christian faith we are in, is all about the unbelievables materializing and changing life and affirming that God is God and man is man. In other words, if you thought it's far-fetched that one day you would fly, you would literally fly over the clouds to go meet the Lord up there, far up, up there, far up. And look at me now. And if you ask, why, why, why would you do that? No, because there are some mansions up there. So if you, if, you, if you thought that is unthinkable, unbelievable, then I want to submit this to you. When the Lord Almighty, at the fall of man, when he said the Messiah would come, God himself would come under a virgin birth, and that God would walk with man here, who would believe that? Who would have believed that? So there are many things that if you wanted to say were virtually unbelievable in the Bible, they are right there. But when the fullness of time came, when the angels came, they announced that a king has been born in Bethlehem. 
city of bread. Hallelujah. And we know too well that the Lord, when he was speaking to Abraham, he promised him, he said, Now, you are going to have a son. And remember, his age was beyond that of even having a child. And to make it worse, the womb that would have carried that child, the wife, was beyond having a child. And then the Lord said, that through you many nations will be blessed. And then, he said, you will be a great nation. And then all of a sudden, hallelujah, the Lord came to him and said, next year this time, when I come back, Isaac will be here. And then when the fullness of time came, Isaac was born, my Lord. I. And then he said, you'll be a great nation. And in short time, they went to Egypt, became a great nation. And when he said, he would deliver them and bring them to the promised land. And he said, he himself would deliver them. Who would have believed that? Oh, you should have seen the clothes and the clutches of the Egyptian slavery. Then nobody's going to let them go. They have no army of their own. They're just subjects. If they refuse, they can be crushed in here. But when the fullness of time came, the cloud of God, He appeared and He took them, my Lord. And then, when the Red Sea was unbelievable to cross, Hallelujah. So, how can you say this prophecy of rapture is virtually unbelievable to you that men are going to fly up here? Because we have seen very clearly that Bible prophecy must always be fulfilled. Hallelujah. And yes, indeed, they entered the promised land. And when the Bible says that he would die and resurrect, he indeed died and resurrected. Hallelujah. And when the Bible said that he would come back, biblical prophecy, I'm talking about biblical Christianity, biblical prophecy said he would be back. When somebody tells you, I will be back, that guy will do what? That guy is coming back. Yeah, you need to just prepare. That guy is coming. Right? And he said, he would be back. And in biblical Christianity, the prophecy said that the forerunners would appear before he comes. They have arrived. They are commanding heaven. They have brought rain, my Lord. They have brought the cloud of God, my Lord. Hallelujah. The Messiah must come back. To take the church. And that's where we are sitting. But he's saying the following. In First Thessalonians chapter 4. If you look at verse 13 that we've just read. He's a rebuke. With a scripture that rolls out the rapture. The first thing in this review tonight. That he brings forth. Is that look. It is not a good thing. For people 
cross and the blood. It is not right for those who are supposed to be most educated, the, the ones who are supposed to illuminate the light of the gospel to the dark world. He says, it is not good that they should sit in the church in utter darkness without knowledge, without being enlightened and being virtually informed about such a central item as the coming of the Messiah that we bring with these details. Hallelujah. So this is absolutely serious. And so, we will come to that. We will come to that, I said, later I come and dig it deep. But let's just run through this so that I may give you the overview for tonight. And then begin to go down deep. He says the following, verse 14. Again, verse 13, brothers and sisters, the church of Christ, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death. He calls sleep using a metaphor. He calls death using a metaphor for death called sleep. That is amazing. I, you know, if I were you at this point, I would say it's done, please. Close. Ifunge. The sermon is over. We'll just close it now. Let's just go out and eat some coffee or something. Because he's saying that once you have said it, the cruelty of death, the funerals, the sobbing, the mourning, the crying, the weeping, the pain when somebody dies. He's saying all of a sudden, he now says that death is asleep. My Lord. That is serious. And he's saying that brothers and sisters, meaning at that time, let, can, can I give you a little bit of a brief on this? A summary on this? And now, Paul went to this church. This was his second journey. And he took only three weeks. He began to teach them about the doctrine of sin, separation, and uh, the consequence of sin, sin and consequence, and uh, the Holy Spirit, and all these doctrines you can rush to give people who are newly born again. Then at the end, he also talk, taught them about the coming of the Messiah. And then, what happened here, is that this, this is very powerful, because in Swahili, let me say in Swahili first, and then I'll be able to catch it. He said, because Kwani hiyo ujumbe aliubiri namna gani? Aliubiri, aliubiri kwa njia gani? Ambapo baada ya kuhubiriwa walitoka tu hapo moja kwa moja wengine wakaenda wakapeana boma zao. <laughs> Do you understand? <laughs> so can I say it now in English? <laughs> I think Swahili underscores it a little stronger sometimes. <laughs> but Kwani what type of someone was that he gave them whereby when he finished preaching each one of them left that place one and one and just gave out their homes as gifts. You, you wonder what type of someone was that? <laughs> Hallelujah. And so, they began to wait for the Messiah. That is a serious indictment unto this modern generation. Unto this church whereby the clock has been paused and 2,000 plus years have passed. And the messengers announcing the kingdom have arrived with power and signs and biblical identity. So really, really you are like, which generation should be waiting for Christ more? But for them, once it was announced them, that the Messiah would come, 
they began to wait for the Messiah. Listen to this now. In the first century church. Aye, that is really serious, right? That is a serious thing. And so, until at one point they had to be convinced. They said, no, 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 please, please. Just go back to work a bit. Huh? Huh? You remember? No, no, it's not good to just, you must go and work, please. There was that kind of scenario. People, after the sermon was given, they packed small bags, grabbed their land at home, and they went in a park and just started worshipping, looking up, in, waiting for the Messiah, my Lord. In which way did he preach that gospel for them to finally just go from there, go pack a small bag and check themselves into a park just waiting for the Lord now? Serious. And so, that is what he's saying because he's saying that they, they were waiting for Christ. Focus on me now. And then, after waiting for him, look at this now. Their loved ones began to die. Yeah, their loved ones began to die. Some natural death, some persecution. You know, there was a lot of persecution from synagogue, persecution from the Roman authorities, and so forth. And so, they became worried. This is where the whole genesis of God's answer came from, the Lord's answer. They became worried. They thought, just a moment, those ones Focus on me. Those ones who have died, our loved ones that have died, what will happen to them? Are their souls lost? Or have their souls been dispositioned, dispossessed rather from, from a body forever? Because they knew that in the rapture of the church, there would be the resurrection and glorification. Right? They knew that very well. But they did not understand there was a misconception that has swept around that the soul sleeps. Hallelujah. So, the sleeping of the soul disturbed them quite a bit also. What, what does that mean? Does it mean they are lost forever? Are they also going to have benefit, take advantage of the grand reunion that takes place when the Messiah comes? All those souls are just left and lost forever. Do you understand what... It, yeah, just allow her to pass. You are passing? Okay, please. But somebody can open the door for you. You don't have to go with her. Because if you go, two of you will mess up the whole place. Yes. Hallelujah. Just take her. She's, is she well? Okay, then it is well. I've decreed the eternal blood of Jesus over her. the eternal blood of Jesus. Thank you, Lemon Coco, wherever you are. Thank you. And so, this is serious. Everybody focusing on me now. He says, they thought that those souls, uh, they, they slept. They thought the souls slept. And that is it. They will never benefit from the rapture, will never come back. They have been totally uh, dispossessed of bodies. And they are gone. So there was a worry. Hallelujah. And so, blessed people, as you are seated down, very seriously so. And then now, thank you very much. Very powerful.
indeed. So now, focusing on me now. So they became worried. And they thought, meaning they were quite ignorant about the state of the soul, the human soul. And that is where now this answer came to them from the Lord. And they are being rebuked. The Lord is saying, how can you be in the church, in the house of the Lord, and then be ignorant of such a fundamental, foundational, I mean, a foundation of the faith, the death and resurrection of the believers. That without death and resurrection of Jesus, we have nothing. Absolutely nothing. Even the gospel we preach becomes vanity, just uh, lies. The distinction between us and everybody else on the earth is that for us, we have the resurrection of Jesus. That all the other gods, when they died, they never resurrected. The Hindu God, the Islamic God, the Buddhist God, the Yoga God, the New Age God, the modern gods, the idol gods, all the other gods, none of them ever resurrected. And he's saying that the deity, the divinity of the Christ was revealed, was only revealed when he was resurrected because when they asked him for a sign, he said, I will not give this generation a sign, but I will only give them the sign of Jonah. Hallelujah. The death and resurrection of Christ is everything for us. The glorious resurrection of Christ. And in other words, he said that we partake, we partake, we share in that resurrection of Christ. And now he was disturbed. The Lord was disturbed. How can the people supposed to be transmitting the gospel? Going out and enlightening the dark world. Telling them, come to Jesus. There is hope. How can they be ignorant of such a matter? So foundation of the gospel, of the faith, as death and resurrection. How? Hallelujah. And so that's why the answer now came. And then he says the following. It's a beautiful answer if you look at me. It's a sweet answer, sweet one, right? You can eat it like honey, right? Because he's saying, the answer said that you Christians know ye not that you have the resurrection of Christ. Number one. You have the resurrection of Christ. You meshika okashika niyako. You have that. Then number two, you Christians, don't you know that there is what is called the cruelty of death? Oh, in the book of Psalm 55, 4 and 6, let me read it right now here. I don't have much time. I put a bookmark here and I go to Psalm 55, if you allow me. Hallelujah. 
Is that that permission granted, right? You see, Psalm, Psalm 55, I'm going to read it here, Psalm 55, 4 and 6. It says the following here. It says, 55, if I get it, I'll read it. 4 and 6 is saying, uh, is saying, My heart is in anguish within me. What is he saying? That the heart is in what? Anguish. My heart, corazón, uh, my heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen, have befallen me. They have fallen on me. Again, my heart is in what? Anguish within me. And what has befallen you? The terrors of death, terrorism of death, is busy terrorizing you. I just want to share a little bit on the cruelty of death. That you may understand what the Lord is talking about when he's saying, Know ye not that we have the resurrection of Christ. That for you now, because you have the resurrection of Christ, which you are partakers of by virtue, virtue of belonging to Jesus, the Lamb. He's saying that when you have that belonging, into the Lamb's glorious book of life. Then, the resurrection of Christ neutralizes the cruelty of death. Hallelujah! So that now he takes such a cruel thing as death and he combines with the word hope. Oh, those are two polar events, really. Those are two extreme poles, right? Yes, because hope is that way and death is the other side. Let me just read death here. Uh, the terrors of death, uh, the anguish that consumes the heart, the heart is tremoring and the terrorism of death has fallen on him. Do you know what it means to be terrorized? Do you know terror? You said, yes, we know. Terrorism is bad. You can virtually do nothing because you are terrorized. You fear you're going to be struck. You have to keep your head low because there's a chap was ayote. Aye. And he's saying, he's describing death here. He's saying, fear, again he says, my heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have consumed me. They have fallen on me. They have befallen me. Then he says, my... He says, fear and trembling have beset me. Does somebody hear me or not? He is now discussing the cruelty of death. Hallelujah. Death has now beaten, it has biting now. Has clothed you, the clothes of death have now punched through your skin and is now, is eat you now. The clothes have already punched through your lungs and he has clothed you with both four legs now. And now he is with his teeth over you say, I eat you right now. The terrors of death, the terrorism of death. He says, my heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen on me. Fear and trembling have beset me. Horror has overwhelmed me. Oh! I am a zito, a zito.
zitoma zitoma ratatu that is heavy 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 this is now serious what death can do to a man to a person when now death has clothed you and look at him now let's see what he says next year and he says i said oh that i had the wings of the holy spirit oh that had the wings of a dove oh that i would be caught in a rapture and i would fly away and be at rest with the lord fly away from death fly away from death my lord oh so he's saying know ye not that you as christians you have the resurrection of jesus that is the foundation of your faith that is the strength you have every day to wake up and walk out and say i am born again i am christian i am saved a christ follower hallelujah and he says this terror that i've read only part of it or oh, if you give me time later i'll read for you a list i just sat down and compiled the list funeral sadness melancholy pain suffering isolation terror grief what i just sat down and off the head i wrote a list about the terrors of death and then he says that for you as christians when he wants to talk about the rapture of the church then he takes that terror of death and he combines with hope those are two poles right he says let me read it now again because you see how we rebuke them huh hallelujah first thessalonians again we are right there chapter 4 and we are reading it together right and he says the following he says Hermanas y hermanos, brothers and sisters, hermanos y hermanas, brothers and sisters, the church. We do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death. Meaning, it's a terrible thing for you to have a church and a significant percentage of that church be composed of what? The ignorant what? Brethren. He is really up to polish the church. Hallelujah. And then he says he goes on to say so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. In other words he's saying I am astonished. I am really shocked of the following. He says in fact I'm so shocked that you Christians are living a normal life like the rest of the world he says it's not possible once you have the resurrection of jesus given unto you everything else is an addition right because that is the main thing he came and died for you and he resurrected so that is what confirms that he, he is the son of god that he has defeated death that only he that defeats death can also remove you from death You know people can come and say many things, right? Yeah, they can say uh, I'll get you out. I'll, I'll 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 sort you out. I'm gonna sort you out. Uh, that one now leave it to me. <laughs> you understand? But to do it is a whole different thing altogether. Mteja wa nambari. 
The funds now cannot go through. After he has promised. But he came. He promised. And he did it. And he defeated death. And he accepted you. And he's saying therefore. That you do not grieve like the rest. Meaning. The Christians are supposed to live a different life. Totally different from this world. In contradistinction to this world. Owing to death and resurrection. That you ought to be living above the terrors of death. Above the fears of this world. Because for you, when you die, you know where you're headed to. Does somebody remember to tell you the truth? Today I will be with you in paradise. For us now, when Jesus died, he's saying when he died and resurrected, then now he gave us a safe passage. Psalm 23, 3 and 4. When he says, even though I pass through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no death, no evil, no wickedness, because you have given me a passage, a safe passage. Hallelujah. And so he's saying very clearly here, blessed people, that when he's about to talk about the rapture of the church, then he raises a significant warning here that there is no way you can have such a tremendous promise of rapture, promise of resurrection, death and resurrection, even if you die before the rapture, it's a win-win. You are advantage. You are, no, no. He's saying, I need to read this thing. When I finish, you'll see that God gives preference to those who have died before rapture. Their preference. They go straight to be with him first, even before you get there. So what is the panic going on in this church? That, oh, have we lost them? I wailed. I cried in the funeral. I said, oh, Peter, is that you sleeping there? You've gone like that. Eh? Oh, no, no, no. No, no, no. Not at all. Hallelujah. He said, no. For you have hope. And in any case, if somebody dies, there is preference. God prefers that they take advantage of rapture first. They go be with the Lord. And when that day arrives, they come with him first. Their bodies resurrect first. You will just go and join them up there with the Lord. Hallelujah. So he said, what is this? What is the problem? Saying the church must live totally different from the world. That when you look at them, their hope. COVID is biting. Seriously, right? COVID is biting big time, right? Say, why, why are you laughing? Why are you happy? Uh, me, uh, me. No, me, I'm just happy. No, but why are you happy? The boss can get hungry at you. Why are you happy when we are talking about COVID? Everybody is mourning and feeling bad. No, if you don't explain me why you are happy. Are you mocking us? Why are you happy? No, uh, uh, I, I need to tell you why I'm happy. Because Jesus came. And he went to the cross. And he died. And he resurrected. He defeated COVID. <laughs> even death by COVID. Not just COVID. Even death by COVID. They say, you know, yeah, yeah I, I, I could do with that hope, right? Yeah. Then you realize the boss will change. All of a sudden, now he says, yeah, where he wanted to really fire you, huh? because this COVID time, things are bad. Then you say, yeah, yeah, you know, we need people like you with hope, right? Yeah, 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 yes. 
the Christians are supposed to live different based on this, the death and resurrection of Christ. The foundation of our faith and lives. Our hope. He says, that is our hope. He says, we should take death with all his cruelty. And then, look at this now. When Jesus died, I need to be reading this thing. I'm going ahead of myself. First Corinthians 15, we're going to read later. You'll see that he took away the sting of death. That sting of death, he took away. When he resurrected. So, that is the reason we live a sacrificial Christian life. If somebody says, wait, wait. Do you love Jesus? I want to pump bullets in your chest. Did you, have, you, have you just seen that? He lifted his hand, his hand instant. He said, I do. Shoot me yesterday, not even today. And then you start crying. Says, oh, I miss bullets. I miss that. Please kill me. And you'll be like, just a moment. Madara is far. He said, Ninini, what is this I've landed into? He will move to the next person. Watch your way, I kule sikuzaki, I kule ugaliaki. Serious stuff. You find that we are living totally different from the world. We don't fear death. We stand with Jesus. We have hope. We defeat death. We are above the storms of this life. We are above the storms of this life. We are above the storms of this life. That is what the Lord was raising here. You cannot live a life as usual. Not at all. Not at all, please, no. Please don't. Not at all. You cannot. You cannot live a life as usual. Not at all. Can we sit down for a moment? And so let me just read through this so I can give you the observations and then we really nail it down, right? And so he's saying here, verse 13 again, First Thessalonians chapter 4, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. That is powerful. For us, we have hope, right? That affects the way we grieve, right? Even the way we approach life, right? And it says, For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that the Lord will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in Him. He even calls death sleep, my Lord. Oh, in other words, he's raising a very significant point right there. He's saying that death is merely a door. A door into the eternal realm. I mean, he's mentioned that, that is right away in the book of Hebrews chapter 9, 27. So in other words, when you are on this side and you look this side like this and look at all these people, you are looking at people that are going to live eternally. And then when you look at this side, you see people that will have eternal life. And so he's saying, be careful. The soul never sleeps. And so here he says that death to us, hope has neutralized the cruelty. Our approach to life is different. Are we together? And then he continues here. He says, uh, verse 14 again, for we believe that Jesus died. If you, if you are very deep, that is where you stop for a moment and say he has just touched on Christian belief. Right? And you open it up. You begin to understand what is our belief? What do we believe? We believe in God the Father. God the Son. God the Holy Spirit. And we believe that God created everything. 
came and died for the sins of men. And we believe that the church must be born again, that all men must receive Jesus and be born again. And we continue now to believe that if he died and rose again and went on high, that he will come back. And we believe that God the Holy Spirit was sent to us to help us to prepare. We believe he is coming back. He has just touched Christian belief. Christian belief. I did, I did want just to ride, ride through or run through. But that's a big thing he has touched. Christian faith, Christian belief. Right? These are serious things. They are foundations. Foundational. Right? And so he's saying, and then says, God will bring with those, with Jesus, those who have fallen asleep in him. In other words, if you are worried that they have been lost, that you know, you know, there was that misconception that the soul sleeps, which is not true. It's the body that sleeps, right? So now he told them, don't worry about that. They are already in the presence of Jesus. Conscious. The word is conscious presence of the Lord. And later we could get time, as we get time later, we can even read from the book of Revelation, chapter 6, 9, 9 to 11, where they are crying under the altar, Lord, for how long shall we wait until you avenge our blood for those who have slaughtered us? For the word of God and the testimony of Christ, the inhabitants of the earth. Then the Lord says, no, hold it a second until the rest are slaughtered also. Then they are given garments. So meaning, they have intermediary bodies. Immediately they were slaughtered in the great tribulation, in the tribulation, that one is tribulation. They came straight into the presence of the Lord, conscious presence. And you see they have an intermediary body because they are given garments. And then later when now the Lord comes, they will get glorious bodies, eternal housing, a heavenly house, right? Are we together? And so this is a very serious thing he's mentioning here. So he's saying, verse 15, according to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive and are left until the coming of the Lord will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Listen to this now. Give me eye contact if you don't mind. I have heard the trumpet of God. That is exactly how it will sound on that day. So you can imagine, the reality of eternity with God is dawning, has come close. It's soon going to crystallize, realize in your life, right? This world will change forever. He says, with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and the trumpet call of God. That trumpet is not the last trumpet. He says, okay, if you later read, later I'm going to read uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 15. You say, at the last trumpet. When will you be transformed? When will you be glorified? Will you be glorified at the last trumpet? That trumpet is not the last trumpet within the trumpet judgments. Not at all. This is a totally different event. This is pomp and color, pomp and circumstance. The king is coming, triumphant king, glorious king with a crown and glory and power. And so he says here, verse 17, and that we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. 
So we will be with the Lord forever. And therefore encourage one another with these words. That is very powerful. This is a bold move. This is a stunning scripture. A stunning scripture. The Lord just stepped forward on that day. And now he unleashed this. He presented this before mankind. That there is a particular day of power. A day of power coming to the earth. Hallelujah. A day when real known people whose faces you know will be physically taken out of this earth. And they will be transformed. They will leave their clothes and watches here and their shoes and they will head upwards, right? In glorious body and glorious garment. And I've seen them. I've shared that vision. I'm going to share it here today also if I get a moment. So, going up over the clouds, over the skies. Hey, hey, where are you going? Where? No, if, they, if there was that moment, they said, we are going up there. We are mansions. We are, our home is there. So, the Lord is using this scripture very powerfully to disconnect you from the earth. He is telling you this life is too temporary, so precarious. It is too dangerous on this earth. If a vehicle don't hit you, a COVID hit you, if a COVID don't finish you, a malaria do what? If a malaria don't hit you, some thugs come at night, 2 a.m., they're marauding around with pangas and whatever in the night, whatever, so much. If a terrorist don't blow you up, a war breaks out. He says, no, we have a better home, my Lord. And he's saying, that there is a transformation that takes place there. So let me go step by step really. I think that's the best way to handle After reading this scripture here, I know that I should read John 14, the promise also, when Jesus himself and then 1 Corinthians. But right away from this one here, there are a few observations I want to lay before you as we start. And this is just a panoramic look at it when we are viewing it from above like this. And then we'll see the global picture that this is this, this is what the Lord is saying, this is what he's saying. And then later we'll just nail it down, anchor ourselves one of the scriptures, open it up, exhaustless, right? Are we together? And so, he's saying in this place that there is a cascade on that day. You saw it, right? He's saying that the manner in which he is coming, surely, 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 if you are born again, take your salvation very what? Very seriously. Why? Because I have seen him with a crown. And if you hear the way he's coming, he's coming as a triumphant king. With pomp and circumstance. Pomp and color. From the throne, with all the throne announcements.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.